How does a relatively shy, quiet, reserved and gentle young man eventually come to be regarded as the undisputed leader of Irish republicanism during the War of Independence and the Irish Civil War? A leader of men who will not ask his men to do anything he wouldn't do himself. Now, as we approach the centenary of his death, those lines aptly describe General Liam Lynch, a key figure in the Irish Revolution and one of the most celebrated IRA leaders of that era. However, it's difficult to imagine that it's been almost 40 years since a comprehensive biography on the man has been published. This evening, I meet up with Dublin historian and author Gerard Shannon, who's in West Cork to promote his biography on Lynch, which has just been published. To Declare a Republic is a book which delves into a wide array of archival material, some of which has just been discovered in that intervening 40 years. The book creates a detailed portrait of a hugely significant and influential figure during a very troubled time in Irish history. Good evening and welcome, and thank you for joining us on Where the Road Takes Me this Sunday evening. Later in the programme, Nuala O'Reardon from Michels and Bandon talks to us about her granduncle Liam Lynch and reads a letter written by his youngest brother, Father Tom Lynch, to her grandfather. The circumstances surrounding the shooting of Liam Lynch on a mountainside and his eventual death soon afterwards is a poignant story, as you will hear later. At only 30 years of age, Lynch had achieved what most would never do in a lifetime. His death in the closing weeks of the Irish Civil War extinguished that last flicker of hope in the IRA's battle and resistance to a new Irish state. Author Gerard Shannon is from Scarries in North County, Dublin. He has an MA in History from the DCU School of History. He has written numerous articles and delivered many talks on key figures of the Irish Revolutionary period. He works as a civil servant in Dublin City. Well, having spent so much time in Cork County during his short life and had so many friends and colleagues here, we Corkonians at times are inclined to claim the county as the birthplace of Liam Lynch. But not so, says Gerard Shannon. Liam Lynch was a proud Limerick man. Yes, very much so. Yeah, and I, I think it's a surprise to people that he's from Limerick because, as you say, he's renowned as this great Cork revolutionary hero. But it was in Mitchellstown and later for Moy in these early years when he was working as a shop assistant that it brings him into the wider world. Like he first joins the Mitchellstown Volunteers in 1914. He's briefly a member of the Ancient Order of Hibernians that doesn't last very long. But he also joins the Gaelic League in Mitchellstown. So he would have gone to the Irish language classes, you know, the dances and so on. This would have been a very important social outlet for Liam. He would have met a lot of people who later would become close contemporaries in the the IRA, such as Moss Toomey and George Power and Siobhan Langford and so on. So it was a very important social hub for him. Now, what's very surprising about Liam Lynch, and it certainly surprised me in my research, that he actually went with the National Volunteers on the Volunteer Split. So he stayed with the National Volunteers, Mitchellstown contingents there. And he doesn't join the British Army with Redmond's College join the British Army in late 1914, the outbreak of war, according to his youngest brother, Tom, who is particularly close to this, seemed to bemuse Liam. So he kind of is not really a member of the National Volunteers by 1915 they've kind of faded away as an organisation at that point but it's 1916 that completely changes Liam so there's one major action in Cork during the 1916 Easter Rising that's the attack on Bernard House outside the village of Castle Lyons this is the home of the Kent family the Kent brothers Thomas, William, Richard and David are local volunteer leaders there's the RSC come to arrest them there's a shootout the family are within the house the British Army come to aid the RSC and the Kents are arrested in the aftermath the youngest Richard is killed and Thomas and William Kent are brought through the streets of Fermoy 
Moy, the, the iconic photo that we all know of them being brought across what we now know as Kent Bridge, being escorted by the British Army to the local RAC barracks. They're being brought through the streets by the British Army, escorted to the local RAC barracks. And Thomas and William Kent, they're handcuffed and they're walking barefoot to the streets. And people from Moy witnessed this in the morning of the 2nd of May 1916. One individual is also there on the bridge, Liam Lynch. He witnesses this. And knowing that Thomas Kent is later executed on the 9th of May, this is what completely radicalises him. A lot of his peers confirm this. His godmother and distant cousin, Hannah Cleary, she says that Liam Lynch said, I was a nationalist, i.e. like a red knight, until the day I saw the Kents being led through the streets of Formoy. When I saw them being treated like that, it was like a dagger through my heart. And this is what completely radicalises him into the Republican cause. That was a humiliating journey across that bridge. Oh, absolutely. And you can see like the, the treatment of the two Kent brothers in that photo. And, you know, a lot of people would have witnessed this. So, I mean, it's the executions that really radicalised that revolutionary generation, you know, the people that come after, you know, the 1916 Rising. But the fact that Liam saw one of them and known that he was later executed, and he was very close to the Kents, like David Kent, Thomas Kent's brother, seems to have been a sort of a mentor for Liam. There's even reference to this as late as the Civil War. He would go to meet David Kent and so on. So the volunteers within Formoy, they're reformed in 1917, and Lynch is, Liam Lynch is quick to sign up. He becomes first lieutenant of the Formoy Company. He works his way up to become adjutant of the Formoy Battalion. And he's very integral to responding within the area to what's known as the conscription crisis. The British government tried to introduce conscription into Ireland and the volunteers and much of wider civil society reacts and protests at this. There's a flood of new recruits into the volunteer ranks and so on. And Liam Lynch's organisational skills would have been noted by the leadership but it's also in this period that he gains the respect of the officers under his command. He begins a pattern of his organising that he would recur like all the way to the very end where he goes to the local areas, he gets to know the men, he has conferences with them, he seeks ideas, he puts forward ideas of his own, they discuss and so on. And this would have won the respect of the men under his command right away. And he also reads up on like military texts and you know military history and so on because I think one of the most extraordinary things about him is he had no formal soldiering experience. There was no soldiering tradition, i.e. British Army soldiering tradition within his family. I mean, he has this incredible sense of self-belief at his core and an incredible sense of his cause, you know, to dedicate his life to it. So he just he just has this amazing drive that kind of propels him through the ranks very quickly. So it's not surprising when we get to the outset of the War of Independence in January 1919, just three weeks before it, he's appointed OC of Cork Number no. 2 Brigade, otherwise known as the North Cork Brigade. And this encompasses much of North Cork. This is the area that would become come under Liam Lynch's command during much of the War of Independence. And he gets this position because of the respect of the leader of the Cork Brigade at the time, Tomás McCurtain. He would have noted Liam Lynch's talents and his organisational skills and his bravery and so on. But he was also voted into the position by the officers under his command. So he's already very much a firm military leader, devoted military leader at this point at the start of the War of Independence. Liam Lynch was born in 1892, just inside the Limerick border in the village of Anglesborough, not far from the slopes of the Galtee Mountains. He was one of seven children and the second youngest to his parents, Jeremiah and Mary. The family were devoted to the Catholic faith and two sons, Martin and Tom, would later enter the priesthood. He had many influences in his young life, but a formative influence would have been his godmother, Hannah Condon, later Hannah Cleary. Yeah, I think she's very much a forgotten figure, at least before now in, in Liam Lynch's story. So she was a distant cousin of Liam's and she was also his godmother. She was also the daughter of a Fenian herself. She grew up outside Anglesborough and she actually lent a lot of these revolutionary texts that Liam Lynch would have read. She even mentions that even during the War of Independence, you know, when he was on the run, he would come and meet her and, you know, she, he would borrow revolutionary texts off her. There's a reference to uh, uh, John Finton Lawler's, um, you know, more socialist, socialist inclined texts that Liam 
Liam Lynch would borrow off her and so on. And she's described on one account as the local mod gone. McBride, she would have known a lot of ballads. Her father, William Condon, was a Fenian. There was actually an arrest warrant for him during the land war and she would often show it to Liam. She does a brilliant interview with Ernie O'Malley in the 1950s where, like, O'Malley asked her about her own service. I mean, she was captain of Coming Amon in Anglesborough during the revolutionary period, but he asked her a lot about Liam Lynch and she has some of the great descriptions of him during his childhood. She said he was quiet and gentle and he didn't notice him much as a child, which is kind of ironic in light of the, you know, very uh, brave and, uh, you know, devoted military leader that he became and so on. But yeah, I, I think it's important to illuminate these influences on background. I mean, they seem to be a very close relationship. They, they weren't shy of arguing with each other. And I think, you know, there's often this description of Lynch as kind of a distant, shy character, but he did have very close friendships, but he had very close friendships with women as well. I mean, there's reference to Siobhan Langford, who I think who wrote one of the finest memoirs of the period, The Hope and the Sadness, that describes her experiences in the North Cork Intelligence Network, and she talks a very close, genuine friendship with Liam. Um, there's also Kathleen Barry, later Kathleen Barry Maloney, Kevin Barry's sister. She was a faithful courier to Liam Lynch. You can read their correspondence in her papers during the Civil War, and there's a very warm, affectionate relationship between the two, and even at one point Liam says to Kathleen, oh, mother was asking for you because she would deliver off and dispatches to the Lynch home on behalf of Liam. So, yeah, I think I think Hannah Connors had an enormous uh, influence on Liam Lynch. And he was engaged, of course, was he? He had a fiancé. Yes, Bridie Keyes. I, I think I think the one individual I'm asked about the most in his life, now Bridie Keyes still is something of an enigma. There's no personal papers or letters from her and we're kind of really left with impressions of her from other people. She came from the Kilshani townland outside Mitchellstown. Um, it's the 1911 census, identifies her as working as a draper's assistant. Now, there's a birth registration record for her that seems to imply that she was five years older than Liam, which is particularly interesting. They met at the Gaelic League classes. Liam mentions her in one letter to uh, his youngest brother, Tom, and he said, I'm doing a fine line these days, and he said that she was kind of shy approaching him at the Gaelic League dances, and she follows after me and my pals. And Siobhan Langford, who I mentioned, does a beautiful account of the of memoir of a meeting that her and others of Cork Number 2 arranged between Liam and Bridie, because he kind of lamented to um, Siobhan that he, he missed seeing her, and they arranged for a train to drop her off, I think it's in Mallow, and they meet her off the train, and they bring her to uh, Siobhan Langford, it would have been Siobhan Creedon then, but the Creedon household, and they have dinner, and they go for a walk in the field, and so on, and they got engaged at some point after the truce, not sure, but, I mean, they did secretly meet, but infrequently, and the relationship is not really well known to a lot of Liam Lynch's contemporaries, and Florio Donoghue did know about it, he makes a brief reference to her, Mita Ryan dies a lot about her, which I'm very grateful for Mita's book that can illuminates a lot of those personal details. She died in 1970, she actually never married um, after after Liam died, which is a particularly tragic occurrence. She died very actually either on or very close to his birthday in November 1970, which is very striking. And yeah, I mean, I, I think I think certainly if there's any relatives of Bridie Keys out there to get in touch or get in touch with family members, because I think they're very keen to know more about her and the individuals she was. She seems to have attended some of the commemorations. She's there in photos, but otherwise there's not really an awful lot of detail about her, unfortunately. Nuala O'Riordan lives in Michels, close to the town of Bandon. Her grandfather was John Lynch, who was Liam Lynch's eldest brother. She has very early memories of attending commemoration services for her famous granduncle. My mother was a Margaret Lynch, Peggy Lynch, and her father John Lynch would have been Liam Lynch's eldest brother. At what age did you become aware of the famous relation you had? 
Well, I suppose as soon as I was becoming aware of anything, really, because there is a photograph that I have at the annual commemoration for Liam Lynch that was, was held each, uh, organised by my grandfather each September in Framoy. And there's one photograph where my grandfather, John Lynch, is laying a wreath and I'm in that photograph. I'm just three years old and I'm with my parents and my grandfather and an uncle and, and Liam's other brother, Brother Placidus, is in the photograph as well. Growing up in the family home, to what extent was he spoken about? Um, wouldn't have been spoken about hugely, I suppose. Um, you know, at that time, I think in most families in Ireland, really, there had been, you know, the Civil War had been such a shocking time at, for everybody and people had different views. It was all still very fresh in people's memories. And so really, it would have been when I would have gone on visits down to my mother's home place near Mitchellstown that we would, and for meeting up with relations and commemorations, that would really have been when we would have heard the stories of the times of the War of Independence and that. But on a general day to day, I suppose no more than Liam Lynch himself wasn't really a man that was interested in the politics, you know, down along. So we and the fact that I suppose that he didn't survive that time, there wasn't really, um, you know, a continuous discussion or, or he wasn't always in conversation, really, which I think was quite common in the homes of the time. I heard you talking to Gerard earlier on and you were saying that, you know, when we hear of Liam Lynch, we instantly associate the civil war with him. But we tend to forget about the war of independence as well and his involvement with that. Correct. Which was actually the majority of the time that he was involved was in the war of independence. You know, he was really a quiet and a gentleman. He wasn't the typical type of person who was looking to go out and, you know, fight a cause for anything. But as has been mentioned previously, once he saw the Kent brothers being marched through from Oi being arrested he felt he had to play his part so really his part was as a strategist to a, for a large extent in the War of Independence he would have been quite a close friend of Michael Collins and for an awful long time like he would have been held by Michael Collins would have held him in um, had great respect for him and they would have had a very common cause for the majority of the time Later in the programme, Nuala reads a letter written by Father Tom Lynch to his brother John, Nuala's grandfather. The letter was written after their brother Liam's death. And we rejoin historian and author Gerard Shannon, author of To Declare a Republic, a new and comprehensive biography on Liam Lynch, the first in almost 40 years. Join me for part two of Where the Road Takes Me in a few moments after the break.